0: How you see my shows? How you see my hoes? If I was not, would they be so thick? Yes, <laughs> not. got a game in the headlock. I'm blasting it, I'm laughing at you, old niggas red fox. Don't mind me, boy, I'm red hot. <laughs> oh, nigga, they not. I'm over here, I'm over there, I'm everywhere, they not. <laughs> you never play me, nice trap. Balling in a nice spot. No more Mr. Nice guy. Hello, Mr. Nice watch. You don't want no problems. Put yourself in a tight spot. so. Yes, people. How you doing? Welcome to this week's episode of Echo Chamber. So let us get into the UK box office for the weekend of the third of March. Okay, so at number ten we have Kubetti Mathieli. Two. I don't know this film um, But yeah, it's at number 10 At number 9, we have Cold Pursuit At number 8, we have The Kid Who Would Be King At number 7, Attila Battle Angel At number 6, The Aftermath At number 5, Green Book at number four how to train your dragon the hidden world at number three instant family at number two the lego movie two, the lego movie 2 and at number one uh, the, the lovely fighting with my family if you haven't seen it people definitely Definitely check it out. Okay, so that brings us to this week's reviews. Um, Yeah, let's get to it, right? Okay, people. So the first film this week is Little Italy. Now, this is from director Donald Petri. Um it's starring Hayden Christian Yeah, Hayden Christianson, Hayden Christianson, Emma Roberts, Danny Aioli, Andrea Martin, Alasio Miliano, uh Amrit Kuar, Andrew Fong um, uh, it's a, I guess it's a comedy romance film. Uh, and basically, the breakdown is this: former best friends Sal and Vince run rival pizzerias in Little Italy, spending their days plotting against each other's restaurant. But when love blossoms between Sal's daughter, Nikki, played by Emma Roberts, and Vince's son, Leo, played by Hayden, they must hide their romance from their oblivious father's eyes. When news of Nikki and Leo's relationship slips out, into the open, Sal and Vince reach boiling point, these cobbled stoned pizzas ain't big enough for two legendary pizzerias, so a wager is declared, the two restaurants will compete in a high stakes pizza cookout when where the loser must leave Little Italy for good, a temp, as tempers rage hotter than a wood-fired pizza oven? Will Nikki and Leo's love become the victim or victor in this ridiculously epic food fight? So, um, yeah, I mean, there there you go. Um, I think, like, originally what happens is that that, the the you know it says like look the parents they were they were best friends and they entered this food competition back in the day and they won the competition but it was the fallout of that that caused them to um have their disagreements and uh, not get on anymore so that basically is the kind of setup. I will say, look, one of the thing, a, 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 a clever way in which this film starts is it kind of uses the the kind of the technique that you found in um, Carlito's Way. And in Goodfellas, you know, with the voiceover kind of narrating and filling you in and all of that kind of thing. And I, I think especially Carlito's way because it is him as a kid talking and and, and that kind of thing. So I mean, that was a nice little way of starting the film, you know, I think... <laughs> it's, it's billed as a comedy, but there's not, I know, there wasn't enough jokes, like, proper jokes, because everything that was there, it was just a little bit too forced, it was a little too obvious, and a little too forced, that was one of the issues with it, and also, you know, there's the pause, there's the pause for people to laugh, that's always just a bad sign, you know, when, when they're trying to go, okay, people, that's this is where you laugh, yeah, but this is really funny, right, uh, yeah, yeah, this is a good bit, no, it's like, we need to steer clear of that kind of stuff, Um, I will say, you know, being a film about pizza, I, I guess that is the reason why this was so cheesy. Oh my god, it was so cheesy. Like it, you knew exactly what was going to happen in this story. You know, there was there was nothing. There's nothing new here. It was pretty obvious, and it it really does. Oh my gosh. all the stereotypes that you see in this film are crazy like the british head chef you know like i'm just surprised she didn't offer anyone a cup of tea and some crumpets it was that that stereotypical then you've got the italians hey paison hey 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 you know it was just like oh my gosh it was so hammed up and, you know, there's a thing, it was so hammed up, I don't even know if, how many of these actors actually have Italian accents, because even if they do have Italian accents, it all just sounded a bit over the top and faint, you know what I mean, that's just because it was so hammy, it was so cheesy, it was so hammy, it really is a pizza film, you know what I mean, but, um, yeah, so you've got that, like, Another kind of weird kind of thing was so Nikki and Leo are the same age, right? So, this is the thing the little kids they hang out, they're the same age. But when you see Hayden Christiansen and Emma Roberts together, you're like, they're not the same age. <laughs> he is clearly. A lot older than... Like, he's 10 years older than her. In real life. And he looks it. You know what I mean? So it was just like, wait, what the fuck is going on here? This is weird. It's really... Like, there's weird things that happen that just aren't explained. Just, yeah, aren't explained. And you're just like, wait, so... Wait, what? Like, because they're saying Leo's a gallus. But then... Oh, so but now he's not. It was like, wait, what is the situation? This is all very weird, you know, like people falling out for no reason. It was just, yeah. And then you've got the grandparent as uh, a grandparents bit. That's just, oh my god, yeah, that was crazy. But they're going crazy for Starbucks. I want to know how much Starbucks paid. For this advertising in this film. Because it was blatant. And it was ridiculous. Because they're like. Oh my god. This is the best coffee we've ever had. Oh oh my god. I can't stop drinking it. It's like calm down. Calm down. We get it. They paid you. Nice. And that was the thing. There's just a lot of that. There's a lot of you know, just over-the-top, odd things happening, like, things that just don't, they're not driving the story anywhere, like, there's two Indian characters in this film, again, ridiculously stereotyped, like, I think early on, you think they're brother and sister. Then at the very end, it's not a spoiler, don't worry. But at the very end, it's like they're pushing them together. Like, they're they're kind of saying, hey, when the camera stops, these two are going to fall in love. And it's just like, oh, don't do it. Don't do it. But, yeah, you've got all these weird things happening in this film. And... Like, none of it is captivating enough, I felt. Like, none of it can really draw you in. Like, it, it, you know, I'd say if the film broke halfway through, you're not going to be clamoring to f- find out what happens, how it ended. You know be I mean? Like, eh, all right, fine. You know, it is what it is. I'm gonna go about my day now. There's some paint to watch dry, but um, yeah, I mean, that's probably harsh. It's probably harsh. I just, you know, I, I, I look to be honest, the this type of film is not for me. I like a nice romantic film, don't get me wrong. I like a good film, you know, like the before trilogy. I've said it numerous times, the before trilogy by Richard Link later. Love those films to death. Any anyone I'm dating, they're watching those films. I make them watch those films, man. You know what I mean? Like about time, love about time. That's a great film. Yo, like Eternal Sunshine for the spotless mind, Stranger Than Fiction, Five Hundred Days of Summer. Yeah, I mean like these are my type of films, a station agent, just nice little kind of romantic films garden State. I just don't like the cheesy ones and like it can be a bit cheesy because you know I like the first Bridget Jones film I ain't gonna lie, you know what I mean? But that was sweet. it was sweet although it was cheesy. And the story, it, it made sense. Like, this story it just doesn't really make any sense. That's the problem. It doesn't make any sense. It's all a bit all over the place. And you're not, as I said, look, none of the characters resonate with you. Which is the thing. But, as I said, look, this might be just me. So, I would say, look, if you're a fan of things I would probably say like, um, "Love Rosie," "Chalet Girl," you know, ain't that kind of stuff. Um, I, w- I, I, th- I think this is probably your film. I think you would definitely enjoy this. Yeah, if you like the those other those day films, you know, like Valentine's Day and. Um I don't know. There's Father's Day, Mother's Day. You know the films I'm talking about, right? Um, if you like those films, then yeah, again, I think this is gonna be your film. Yeah. Um and if this is something that you are interested in, then you can grab Little Italy from Monday the eleventh of March Uh, it will be available on all the usual outlets iTunes, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Sky Store, Google, um, yeah just all those spots. It's again the normal price $7.99 standard $9.99 HD and it's only 101 minutes long. So not too long. Like what's that? Hour and 40 minutes. Okay, so yeah, that is Little Italy from director Donald Petri, starring Hayden Christiansen, Emma Roberts, uh, Danny Ioli, uh, Lisa Miliano, Amrit Kua, Andrew Fong, and a whole host of other people. So, yeah, check it out if this sounds like it's for you. Okay, so I have just seen um, The Kindergarten Teacher, which um, was directed by Sarah Colagian. Um It's written by written by um Sarah Cagin as well uh, based on the screenplay by nadav lapid um, because this is based on a an Israeli film of the same name it stars Maggie Gillenhill Gail Garcia Bernal, um ato Black. Jackson Wood, uh, Michael Chernus, Parker Sivak, uh, Anna Baraskanov, Um, and the, the story basically is uh, Lisa Spinelli, who's played by Maggie Gyllenhaal, A kindergarten teacher from Saturn Island is struggling with feelings about her life. She's um, married to uh, Grant, who's played by Michael Chermus. She has two teenage children. And she attends a weekly poetry class. That's led by uh, Simon Gail Garcia Benal. Um, it seems that she's looking for something. It, it, you know, it, things are distant, and the poetry is helping. Um, one day Lisa notices that um one of the children in her kindergarten class is reciting something and she walks over and realizes it's a poem she writes it down um and then she suddenly realizes that yeah this isn't a one off that he often recites poetry and um this leads her to um believe that she is in the witness of a child prodigy and starts to develop an obsession. So yeah, I have to say, this I did not know what this film was. You know, um, it was showing at the London Film Festival, but I didn't get an opportunity to see it as, um, yeah, I believe I had interviews that day. Uh, But I'd heard a lot of good talk about it. And um, so, yeah, I was really pleased when um, I had the opportunity to go, uh, go catch a preview. And it's very interesting because the film it starts with, um, you know, uh, Gillinghill's character Lisa in the classroom. She's packing away, and then she kind of just sits down in resignation on a chair. She's there, we then see her on a subway, and she she's gone to her her weekly poetry class. And, you know, she's pushed to read a poem. And when she does, it, it it's kind of dismissed. You know, like, it, it's not taken seriously. But she goes home. Um, She reads it to her husband. He really likes it. But the weird thing is, when you first meet her husband... You're not quite sure if it's her husband. Because... Although there seems like an affection between them... Like they don't touch. So you're wondering... Is is this a friend? Is it a roommate? What is the situation here? And the one thing that you then realise, I think... Throughout the film... Is that there's not really a, a a kind of a sexual chemistry between them? You know, I think it, they care for each other. That's clear, but it seems that the um, the part of their relationship where there probably was A a sexual love It kind of seems that has Fizzled out Um, She She has two children but You know they're teenagers And There seems a distance between them So It's like she's looking for something And She's wanting Poetry To fill that void But, the poetry that she feels is, you know, the voice she wants to get out, it's being dismissed. So, when she discovers um, that her, um, her student, Jimmy, that he's reciting this poetry, she becomes enthralled by it. She she reads it to her husband, he likes it, and then in class, she reads it, and everyone loses their mind, like, everyone starts to see in this poetry something that she wishes that they saw in hers... And the more she hears of Jimmy's poetry, the more that she becomes obsessed with it. Obsessed with the fact that she doesn't want his talent to be squashed and diminished. So she's doing everything that she can to ensure that it's recorded, it's documented, it's appreciated. Um, But, you know, are the lengths that she goes, are they healthy? This is the question that we have to ask ourselves. And it's, um, I think it's, it's a thing throughout the film that kind of runs that she is looking for a missing part of herself, you know, she lets herself become enthralled in another situation that I think you see that she initially draws back from it, but once it becomes kind of attached to her poetry, she then kind of embraces it, and you feel it's just for the reason because she she she's trying to fill this void, and she wants the poetry to be the void to fill her you know she wants to nurture this talent, and I think through things that have been that get said during the film. You get the sense that she wanted to possibly be a poet maybe earlier in life. And she pushed it aside. And now she regrets that. And it's too late to rekindle that spark. So when she finds this spark in Jimmy... She will do everything that she can to ensure that he doesn't think fall in the same trap as she did. But, um, yeah, like there's a moment in the film when she becomes devastated to realize that she doesn't have the poetry in herself and she doesn't even garner an inspiration for others poetry and you feel that that just just blindsided her it it crushed her because i think she was hoping that she was the catalyst for this new talent um and it's like when and she gets Jimmy to you know tell her every time he has a poem like to even call her every time he has a poem, and so you just hear i've I've got a poem i i I, I have a new poem, and then she rushes for a pad and writes it down so I think when the film ends and the the, the, the the last thing you hear that kind of resonates is um I I have a poem. It's it's very unsettling and I think as the film goes on this feeling of of uh unnerving this 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 feeling of disquiet it kind of washes over you more and more and you you're just unsettled by a lot of things that happen a lot of the Familiarity, familiarity That Like Lisa shows Her students Like she's rubbing their back She's kissing them on the head You know it, it, A lot of times it feels like It's too Too much Like I don't know Like she's kind of leeching Off of them, or trying to, you know, she's trying to absorb something, a youthfulness, a spark, an inspiration, you know, and she's pushing everyone to, to be more, but to be more of what I think she wishes that she was, or More of what she used to be and let slip away see this is the thing that you're never quite sure of you know is it just what she wants or is it something that she she had and for whatever reason let it let it drift let it drift on memories ship away as PM Dawn once said But, uh, yeah, I think um, there are a few moments of nudity in the film that, I think, although, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world, you know what I mean, like, Maggie Gyllenhaal is, yeah, she's a lovely lady, but... I kind of felt that they weren't needed, you know? Like, the it didn't add anything to a scene. Like, we didn't have to see it. Although, I guess, um, there's a scene in the bedroom. And it is a natural thing, you know what I mean? So, the sequence was a natural thing. And I sometimes you watch a film and... You know, when a couple are lying in bed and the sheet moves and she, the, the lady pulls the sheet up. You're just like, but that doesn't happen necessarily in real life. So the only reason it is there in the film is for this modesty. But you created this scene. So, so why did you craft the scene in that way? So, so, a lot of times, the, these things seem a bit awkward and weird. So, the fact that, you know, this wasn't, was was good. But, I don't necessarily feel that the scene added anything to the film. So, although it was a seamless kind of look at a relationship... I think we we had already understood the dynamics and didn't need this and you know so we didn't need the nudity, which is it's is and it's an odd thing as well when it's yeah you know, i I guess it's from a female writer and a director, like you know because it wasn't gratuitous, as I said. But there's other films where the nudity isn't gratuitous. But it is still a bit vilified for being there. So I just wonder why it is there in this film. But I let me say. I don't think this detracts from the film itself. Though <sighs> it's hard to kind of. I think, break down how you view the film. I think it's one of these things that you will let kind of digest in in your thoughts. And you'll be thinking about it over the course of a few days before everything coralesces. And you know, okay, I love the film. Or i wasn't quite sure you know but the, i think the first takeaway is it's unsettling as hell you know it was like wonderful performances like gillen hall is extremely good um i think uh gael garcia Banal is um very good as as a a bit of a creepy, a bit of a, a pompous um, kind of character, kind of person, you know, like one of these people uh, that you you stumble upon in the art world that is just like, well, I, have, I, uh, I see art, you do not see art, you know, will diminish other people to make himself feel a certain way, but I think Gail captured that very well. Um, and then the supporting cast was good. I, I, you know, you you have to say that. Um, yeah, young uh, Parker Savak was extremely good at, as Little Jimmy Roy. So yeah, the talent was good. Like the it's a very somber film. You know, it, it's a it's a subtle, opace film, but yeah, you you leave not quite knowing exactly where it sits with you, but um, it's definitely worth a look, and it's interesting the fact that I think in um. In America and Canada, it was released, in, on, you know, via Netflix. So, um, yeah. I mean, that's interesting. Um, but I think in the UK, it's being released by Thunderbird Releasing. Um, and it will be a, a theoretical, a, a cinematic release. Yes, let's get the word out a cinematic release, so um, yes, keep an eye out. I think it is definitely worth a watch so yeah, that is the kindergarten teacher um from um Sarah, Colag- Colag- Sarah Conageli. Um, and uh sorry, Maggie Gillenhill okay okay, people, so we've reached that time again, so a little bit of movie news, then we're gonna bounce all right, so this week in the u k Linda LaPlante has been um out promoting her new book, which interestingly, is a, a sequel to um, the 1983 Widows, you know, I think fresh off the success of the Steve McQueen um, film of, uh, you know, the original book and miniseries, yeah, so she's brought out a sequel called Widow's Revenge, um, which surprised, you know, it surprises taking this long because she did the book. She did a TV series version in '85, so there was um, two sequels. The uh, the original TV series you had "Widows 2 and then "She's Out" that picked up things ten years later. But in the books, there was only the one. But yeah, this she's just brought out "Widows Revenge." And um, while talking about it, she does kind of throw out that um, we hope there's a possibility of a movie. Now, if you've read the book and seen the film, you'll notice there is a distinct difference at the end. So it it makes the idea of the the film version a little bit harder to pull off. You mean they they'd have to create a new um conceit to move it forward. But, you know, it's a possibility for sure. So yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see what see what happens with that. Um so, word was last week that Will Smith dropped out of Suicide Squad 2. Um, now, the word is it was a contr- a conflict of schedules. I believe it's because the original sucked. But, whatever the reason was, um, you know, the, the studio... Decided to recast a character. And so they picked. Idris Elba. So he will be playing. Um, Deadshot. In the sequel. To uh, Suicide Squad. So yeah. We'll see how. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, in more comic book news. Uh, so. So you know, we've, we've heard a lot of news recently about, um, you know, the Black Widow, which will probably be um, up there with the new phase of Marvel movies, uh, and, um, you know, for what we do know, Scarlett Johansson will be picking up her character, and, um it's going to be shot by Kate Shortland. So, that's what we do know so far. But this week, word came out that, um, you know, uh, a few actresses have been auditioning for the secondary female lead role. And, uh, yeah, so we've had Emma Watson... And um Florence Pugh, who is hot off of uh fighting with my family, there's also been Alice Engolt and uh da zukowski um, yeah, supposedly all auditions were pretty good. But no word on a casting has been made yet. And finally, we're sticking with the Marvel Universe. Um, So, oh gosh, it must have been probably about two years ago. Two years ago, something like that. Uh, You know, there was talk of a new Blade comic that would feature his daughter. Fallon Grey, um, that series, for some reason, it got held up, but I think Fallon's appeared in places, and there was talk as well that possibly, a a way when Marvel got back the license from uh, New Line, that, um, you know, I- I- instead of going with Wesley Snipes, that they would go with um, his daughter, you know. That would be um, the new kind of Blade look, a new way to kind of reinvigorate the franchise. Well, news this week has come out that um that could be the case. You know, um, because uh, Marvel now have the Fox banner. So, word is that, you know, the, there's a possibility of a new Blade film and it being a uh, R-rated 18. And that it will feature Snipes kind of passing the torch to his um to his daughter, and then um it would continue in that fashion. So uh, you know, there's no word if it's completely true. Like you know, what I mean what the situation is, but you know, like we've heard similar things over the last few years. So hey, who knows? And now that they have the Fantastic Four rights as well. There's talk that, hey, that, you know, a new version of that is in the, uh, in the offering. Um, and that it will be set in, completely in space. But Doctor Doom wouldn't be the villain. But, um, yeah, who knows? But interesting time. Interesting time for sure. I think we will definitely get clarity later in the year, once um well avengers endgame is out in april so may you know who knows how quickly after that we will get news on the new phase but um yeah i'd I'd suspect at some point soon we will find out what's going to be going down so yeah all right people that is it for another episode um Enjoy all your film watching, um, and we'll catch you next week. All right? Peace.